This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth. This is my sermon from August 14th, 2022. I hope you enjoy. God bless. In Hebrews 11, chapter 29, through chapter 12, verse 2, the writer says, By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as it were dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been, uh, had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because uh, she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all of these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better so that they would not, without us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken a seat at the right hand of the throne of God. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. The Hebrews writer winds down the list of illustrations and of faith-filled lives and actions. The final specific examples are the crossing of the Red Sea by faith and the faith that made the walls of Jericho come a-tumbling down. Not to mention Rahab's saving faith. The rest of the chapter moves to a more general brush stroke of faith. At the end, the bottom line is none of the faith contenders achieved some promise. For we are also links in the same chain of faith, according to the writer of Hebrews, that is only completed with our active role. Notice that it says active role in our faith. So we continue to look who is the author and architect 
of that faith in him. And in those moments, that promise is realized by our actions, our deeds, and our words as we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I have to be very careful about this passage of Scripture because this passage of Scripture, in some ways or another, tends to be supersessionist. And like I said last week, when you read from the book of Hebrews, this idea is, is that for some reason, Christians have this thing, well, what do we do about the Jews? Nothing. I don't know why it's so important for us to have this conversation in the 18th, 19th, and the 20th centuries. And, our, and I would argue that all the way till the 6th century, what are we supposed to do with them? You see, the problem with this conversation is the understanding of how God makes promises, which we had a whole sermon about last week, and I'll leave it at that. But it's important to refresh the memory of if God makes a promise, God isn't going to break that promise. God starts small in the story of the Hebrew Bible when he makes the promise with Abraham that your ancestors will outnumber the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea. And I will be your God and you will be my people. That's the promise. So what happens to everybody else is the second part of the story. So the story's flipped in the book of Hebrews. Now, I've heard it preached. Well, no, no, this is that proof. This is that opportunity that this is the opportunity for them to change their minds and become like us. Nope. God's promise there. and God's promise here. And that promise changes with Jesus for us. What do we do when, we're exp when we have not been brought up with Torah? What do you do when you've not been brought up with the Tanakh? How are you supposed to know who God is? Well, for the Gentiles that are hearing this passage for the first time, it's through the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ, who we call our Savior. So that's where we start. Now, the problem with it is, is that the book of Hebrews, especially this writer, starts off with using the stories of the past because... These are the stories that everyone has heard. Faith characters like with the Exodus, with the Red Sea, and vignettes of the conquest of the land. The writer suggests have happened because of faith. In each of these moments, the contrast is made between the faith of Israel and the unbelief of the Israeli opponents. Believing. The Israelites walked through the sea just like it was dry ground, and the Egyptians drowned. Through believing, the Israelites captured Jericho. Through believing, Rahab sided with Israel and her family were spared. Now this eschatological understanding of they didn't receive the promise is something that is an interesting dialogue for the conversation. But the point of the story is the endurance that all of us that proclaim God as creator have to go through. Let me give you an example. One of the things that I loved about youth ministry was is what we call 
the mountaintop experience in our faith. You go to camp away from everything that makes sense to you. They take away your cell phones, right kids? They make you sit in sometimes almost air-conditioned cabins, which then of course I start to sound like one of the old people and say, well back in my day, we didn't even have air conditioning. Back in my day, we didn't even have electricity into the cabin. We had to open up the sides and maybe pray to God for wind in Oklahoma, you know, because we don't ever get wind. But there's this idea that when we go to camp, we escape the reality that we're in so that we can endure the week of something different. To be in the presence of God and the divine as a community of faith. And then something miraculous takes place. I call it the church camp worship. You get a group of kids together, and without sounding pessimistic, most of them are in touch with their emotions. Unlike adults, where we have turned into robots and choose not to tap into those feelings. You get a group of kids together at a church camp campfire, and somehow, just spontaneously, kids will start to sing. Why? I have no idea. It just happens. And they sing songs that they know. Sometimes they're contemporary music. Sometimes it's church hymns. Sometimes it's funny church camp songs that they've learned. Whatever it is, they find themselves singing. Then somebody has already planned to read scripture. They read the scripture. They talk about how it affects their life. And in the midst of that moment, something takes over the entire area. Now, I don't want to be as pessimistic and say, well, it's a wave of emotions. But I will say that it is, I would classify it as the closest thing to Acts chapter 2 that we can experience a wave of the Holy Spirit that comes and takes over this place. Why? Because they came to this place out of faith, knowing that God was there, putting down all of their inhibitions and releasing everything that they know fully to God, and they get this mountaintop experience. And then we tell them they have to go home. And the whole rest of the year, they try to find it. They try to find it in going to other churches. They try to find it in youth groups. They try to find it in Bible studies or Sunday schools or just anywhere. They try to find that feeling, that presence of the divine. And they even so as far as go to church camp the next summer, expecting it to be exactly the same. But now, and now they know what it should have been. And their expectations are a little too high. Or they're not high enough. And so you find this battle. This race. That we end up racing on a daily basis. Trying to find the presence of God yet once again. And some of us are lucky enough to find it. And some of us are not. Some of us remember those stories and we tell our children and our grandchildren, you have to go to camp because I experienced this moment 
this presence of the divine. And man, I wish I could have that again. This is what Hebrews is talking about here. It's not who and who is not with God. It's about those that are willing to run the race to feel the presence of the divine. This is the problem. Our world has a tendency to make it easy. We find ourselves not struggling with anything. We tell ourselves we struggle. Even in my church camp experience, as I'm having a joke about it, it's really hard to do church camp where there is not air conditioning. People will not send their children to church camp if there's not air conditioning. We send them there and say, here you have to have $50 to go buy snacks and refreshments. We tell them that they have to have all of this stuff. And at the end of the day, all we're trying to get them to do is sit around a campfire and be in the presence of the divine. You see, the race isn't about the things. It's about joining the crowd of faith heroes. Those that have gone on before us, and even us as we find ourselves in our own faith journeys, struggling with what is and where do we find God's strength and guidance. It reminds me of people like Dr. Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was an Austrian psychiatrist in 1938. And of course his family, like many others, were taken into concentration camps. Dr. Frankl had to watch his dad die in front of him from tuberculosis. He had to watch his mother and brother be gassed in a, in a gas chamber at Auschwitz and eventually had to watch his own wife die in his arms from typhus all because of his faith in later books he ends up writing he says throughout the entire time I did not stop my prayers through the entire time of that experience I never once stopped worshiping God these were not the things of God. These were the things of humans. And how would that have to do with my faith? My faith helps me endure. When he was released from the concentration camps and he went uh, to three and four years, I think sometimes I get that number backwards. They, they get him out and they say, you are now free to go. And he says, thank you. Where? And he had to start completely from scratch as if his prior life before the concentration camps didn't exist. And coincidentally, he falls in love again with a nice Austrian Catholic woman. And the rest of their life, their journey together with his wife, they have a daughter named Gabrielle. And they practice both faiths in the household. It's a really good book to read. So they celebrated Christmas and Hanukkah. And all the way until his very last moment, 
His family remembers that he, even in the midst of his dying, still remembered the prayers that he was taught as a child. I ask you, church, what have you endured? I ask you, how do we find ourselves in the midst of growth and, and changing our life and understanding for the better part of humanity? If you have been and seen the promise of God through Jesus Christ, our Savior, our world should look, it should act, it should be different than it is today. And you are the crowd of witnesses. In your own lives, you've seen miracles. In your own existences, you have seen things that other human beings that don't have a faith in anything will not understand, but you do. You have endured. You have suffered pain and have come out, as Victor would say, on the other side. Blessing God for that Ruach and the opportunity to serve humankind. And for us, we do that in the name of Jesus Christ, who teaches us very simplistic phrases that are hard to live by. To loving your neighbor as yourself, to love the Lord your God with all of your people, you could summarize it simply and say, loving God and loving people. You could do that. But man, does that shortcut all of the stuff and all of the scriptures and all of the story that led us up to this moment where we are now on the other side of that journey. And you are the ambassadors of that freedom. It's through your faith and your willingness that we can and will endure anything and everything through Jesus Christ our Savior. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.